back again. The Zero Two One Hundred podcast live on location, just outside the district. Oh boy, oh boy, we're back to our original crew, the two-man team, Nate and the Rock. Oh yeah, Rock, how you doing today? Doing good, man. Just grinding this week out. Masters coming up tomorrow so this weekend. It's a big week. It's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good Masters tournament. I feel it's so different. It doesn't feel like Masters. Not we're looking outside, we're seeing the the leaves fall. <laughs> it's not typically what we're seeing around Masters time, but it should be fun. As we mentioned, we don't have our two other co-hosts or the producer today. Feels empty. It feels, feels real empty. empty. But this is how the podcast started. We did start just you and I talking about jersey numbers. And we're here <laughs> finishing up season number two. Season number three right around the corner. Oh, boy. Um, well, before we get into the jersey numbers, let's first talk about some golf. We talked about the Masters. Yes. Um, shouts to our partner, The Morning Read, uh, an online golf publication um, that brings you our podcast. If you don't listen to it on Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud, you can find it there on The Morning Read. Proud to be a part of The Morning Read team. And we all are golfers on this podcast. Max is a once-in-a-while golfer, but he is still a golfer in our eyes. Um, everyone's a golfer in our eyes, but... Let's make some picks here. Um, kind of Let's start the episode hot and fresh. Uh, there's a lot of good names floating around there. Everyone's talking about Bryson DeChambeau and the uh, the crazy distance he's been getting as of late. People talking about Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas. Uh, people are bringing Patrick Reed's name back in the mix. Of course, they're DeChambeau, talking about Tiger. I said DeChambeau. Oh, sorry, I missed that. Sorry. All good. Um a lot. I mean, you can go any way. There's a lot of people that you can pick right now, and we're gonna be like, oh, yeah, we can see it. We can Definitely. see it, right? So, let's go through the boys' picks. They submitted picks earlier, um, just just to uh, add a good measure. Get all four picks here. Let me bring it up here. Got it on my phone. So let's start with Gats. Gats went with Justin Thomas. I think it's overall safe pick. He's in the top tier of Very players, safe. top five player in the world, consistent, um, still has distance for a small guy. Kills the ball. Yep, really good with his irons. Uh, he's obviously been in the Masters before, knows the, knows the lay of the land. Really good pick by Carl there. Uh, no surprise that he went with the safe pick. Max... Went with another safe one, the Rombo, John Rom. Everyone's going crazy over the the viral video of him skipping the ball over the water. Don't get me wrong, probably one of the best golf shots to ever been hit. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen. Absolutely incredible. That was crazy. I I think it actually is the best golf shot. He skipped in a hole in one. He meant to do it too. Like it wasn't like he just hit it really hard and skimmed the water. Like he meant to skip it across that pond. Oh hell yeah. Came back on the green, rolled, funneled right in. So, um, but once again, safe pick, top five player in the world, has him playing pretty good as of late. Um, I like that. You want me to go first? Or you want you to go first? Uh, you can go because I'm not quite. Okay. I don't have it quite yet. I'll pick my my Masters winner here. Another safe pick. Um, everyone's saying that Bryson's the favorite. I'm not feeling that. I think that his experiment can go terribly wrong at Augusta. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. It could go very well. Uh, but there are some corners on that course where I'm just like, you can't really cut them. Uh, we're talking about Omen Corner and like that those narrow uh, tee shots. What angle is he going to take? What kind of degree driver is in his hands? I mean, yeah. It just does not make sense to me. I, I don't really buy it yet, um, even though you know everyone's everyone's kind of chatting it up and saying that it could be just absolutely tearing up the golf course. Um, I can't pick that. I can't pick that. I, I got to see it to believe it type of deal. 
But I am going to go with a guy who is also known for his distance. A little bit more conservative with his approach, but still very strong distance. Has improved his putting over the past few years. But Dustin Johnson is going to be my pick. Another top five player. Guy's been turning it on this year, this calendar year. He's in top tens. He's 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 closing out tournaments strong. Um, obviously, he's been to the Masters before. Um, this is bad of me, but has he won a Masters? Dustin Johnson? No, I don't think so. I just want to confirm. No, he has not. He has not. So a lot of uh, good golfers he's won. He's won other. He's won other. He's won a major before, but Masters is obviously he, the one that he's had his eyes on. Uh, he's from the southeast, so um, I believe there's another fact I gotta check. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want to give the. Yeah, no, he's, he's yeah, he's from Columbia, South Carolina, so which is which is pretty close Shout to Columbia. Augusta because Augusta is right on the border of Georgia and South Carolina. Yes. Uh, he went to Coastal Carolina and Myrtle Beach. Big golf school. Big Southeast guy. That's what they did. That's right. That's right. And um, so, yeah, that's my pick. Uh, I think a lot of people have him, so no surprise there. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Who, who do you got? I mean, he's number one in the world, Dustin Johnson is, by the way. So, if we're talking before uh, Carl and Max come at me, I get it. I'm also being safe here. Okay? Yeah, three extremely safe picks so far. Um, that kind of make I like those picks, honestly. If you guys went ahead, I, I want to go more safe picks. Live. I want to go a little different though. Um, but first off, something I heard about John Rom actually, he's made so he's made two hole in ones in the just in the practice rounds this week. So including that skip in that that, that skip His ball in, striking ability is wild. It's on. He's made two hole in ones in like three days. And, like, he's hitting the ball. So I think that's a really, really good pick just because you're right. Speaking of hole-in-ones, I almost had my first hole-in-one last week. Oh. Played Creighton Farms out in Aldi, Virginia. Shouts to Creighton Farms. Really nice club out there. Beautiful, right? Out there for work. And, yeah, gorgeous. Gorgeous. You you, you drive out there. You're in wine wine country by the time you get out there in in western. It would be west, west. Northern Virginia, yeah. I guess. Yep. And um, the first par three on the golf course, it was about 176. Flat. No, it's not really going downhill or uphill. Flat. But there was no, like, fairway leading up to it. It's pretty much just like it, – it's very small green. Not the not the easiest. Not the most appealing shot, one would say. Been fading the ball all day leading up to this hole. I think it was like the sixth or the seventh hole. Just everything going left to right, but slightly. Mm-hmm. So – Take seven iron. Seven iron was the club. Uh, ball was flying. It was pretty warm uh, for for a November day. Ball was flying good. I was feeling I was feeling strong with my swing too. So I was like, hey, one seventy six. Seven iron is usually like one sixty eight for me, but I could get an extra ten yards today. Like I was feeling good. So I take seven iron out. Let me, Matt. I've never hit a ball like exactly like I want it to go as much as I did on this shot. Like I, I lined it up right where I want it to be. Everything felt good. I swung <laughs> through the ball. Ball was trajectory was going exactly how I wanted. A little bit low, rising up, fading to the right, drops right in, hits the slope of the green. But it was probably like it hit though like two feet from the hole. Oh shit, okay. Like, but I was playing a really soft ball, so it, it zipped right there, and it stayed there. And uh, the guys didn't even make me putt it. I just tapped I tapped really? it. Really? I, just I like went there with it. my wedge, and I, I tapped it in. And, um, yeah, I was I was so bummed. And the funny thing is, like, you know, this is obviously true, is that the other guy on, in our group had a nice shot. It was He probably had, like, a 25, 30-foot putt. Pretty long putt for birdie. And he sunk it. And I'm just like, damn, like... My amazing shot doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Because I scored the same exact exactly. score as that. Which is, stupid game. Stupid <laughs> game. doesn't even reward you for, for the amazing shots you make unless you could putt it. But anyways, that's... Did you pick? I didn't. I think I, I cut you off completely. No, no, I didn't pick. Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I touched... Um, 
There's a lot. I'm looking at the list right here. So there's a lot of obviously, and I saw this one name popped out at me who's played really well early in the year, won some tournaments. Younger guy, and I think I'm gonna go with him. Can't is be. no, is Colin Morikawa. Oh, wow. I think I'm Has gonna he go with. Played in. there though. He, I don't think he's played there. Very young. This is probably a bad. Speaking pick. of not but, young, Tiger looks very. We're watching Masters reruns right now. And it's from last year's footage, and Tiger's just completely bald now. Well, balding. Wild to see. Wild to see. Feels like just yesterday he was a young lad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't think this is a safe pick at all. Um, I just wanted to be a little different, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, fun. I know really he fun. can win in the big moments, and I think he can play well. In these big tournaments, so he won PGA Championship this year, so. and uh, yeah, so he can he can do it. Okay, um, so Colin Morikawa, I guess I got Morikawa. There it is. Those are our Masters picks. So let's um, let's now segue into our main part of the episode where we talk about the best athletes to wear a specific jersey number. This episode, episode number nineteen, we got some good ones, like surprisingly, it is a very. 19, Deep number actually. You think of nineteen, and you're. It's, like, it's just like why I would never wear nineteen. I know Ew. that for Ew. a fact. Just Ew. a weird looking number. Weird number. Um. So, but but no, there's been some great guy, great guys and girls that have worn number nineteen. Let's start it off in basketball. Um. You know, a lot of people that listen to this pod know that I'm a, I'm a big Knicks fan, and this is one of the legends to ever wear a Knicks jersey, and that's Willis Reed. Oh yeah. Oh, hold on, my computer screen. Also known as the captain, uh, was a center power forward. He was the heart and soul of this team, of the 70 and the 73 championships teams. Last time the Knicks won a championship. It's been forever since Madison Square Garden hung a banner up. Can't believe it's been that long. Actually, I can because of who's in the front <laughs> office, who's in the ownership, who's in the ownership. I can. I can very much believe it. But 6'9 and a half, 240-pound center forward. Which is really big for back then, considering. Went to Grambling. Uh, so he played 10 seasons with New York, appeared in seven All Star games. He was the rookie of the year for the 64 65 season. MVP in 69 70. And he was selected the finals MVP both of the years the Knicks won. Oh, wow. The okay. Stud. And um, yeah, so I could, list, I could go through these again. Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, like you said, all-rookie team in this, in his first year. Two two finals MVPs with his two championships. He was on the All-Defensive team one year. All-Star MVP that 69-70 season. He, he really racked it in that year. In the 69-70 season, MVP, All-Star MVP, All-Defensive team, NBA champion. Jeez. I mean, come on. I mean, that's let's, let's look at the stats from that season specifically. It's 21.7 points per game, 13.9 rebounds per game. So he was a double-double. Um, yeah. Only played those 10 seasons. He had a, he had a severe Only 10 seasons? Wow, okay. That, uh, that really ended, that ended his career a little bit earlier. But, um, yeah, from down south, made his way up to New York, became a, a Nick, once a Nick, always a Nick. And he's one of, he's one of the legends. Um, for his career... His averages look like 18.7 points per game, 12.9 rebounds per game. And those are pretty much the two stats that stand out. Bored man. But, you know, we talk about, you you, you, were, you know, you're kind of surprised with only the 10 seasons. And in my opinion, although those 10 seasons were very well-played seasons, it does take it does come into play when we're talking about the best athletes to wear a specific jersey number. you got to have longevity in your career. You can't be just great for a few for a, yeah yeah. Not that 10, 10 is short amount of time, but when we look back at all the players that we've talked about, it's really not it's that year long over year. Career. I mean, right. some of these guys we've seen have been fifteen time all stars, you know. So that's right, that's right. And he he retired at age thirty two, really young. Come on, Willis. Come now, on, injuries Willis. though, man, it sucks to see because it does. So many guys. Or just, you know, that could be some of the best ever riddled, you know, with injuries. I think one that comes to mind is, is uh, kind of get off the top of your brain, Derek Rose. Yeah. I don't know why he pops into mind. He's just like, I don't know if we touched on him yet, did we? We touched on him. Episode but one. that dude, 
No, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Should have been because like he's not going to be considered one of the best ever, but for that couple years stretch, I mean, he was like what is the youngest MVP ever? I think in the league still most athletic, and he's the most athletic team. point guard exactly. So like it sucks. He, the the bat, the hang time he had was wild. It was incredible. But yeah, we don't want to get talk too much about yeah. episode, uh, episode number one. That's the past. <laughs> who, which was won by Ozzy Smith. For those of you who forget, Ozzy the, the Wizard, episode zero, uh, the Wizard. That's right. It was um, yeah. Let me pass it over to you for sure. Take us to the Diamond. We got some really good baseball oh, players. The Diamond is just littered with good baseball players Litter. for nineteen. Um, so we'll start with. Tony Gwynn, um, Mr. Padre, Mr. Padre, played his whole career. Whole career. <laughs> I'm just ad-libbing. Thank you. <laughs> Sounds good. With the uh, San Diego Padres, so 20 full seasons. So, Or not full season, but 20 seasons overall. Played right field. And this dude just could hit it. Could hit. He, he didn't bat. But he didn't, in every full season he played, he did not bet under 309. Which, I, I don't know, I mean, that that blows me away, to be honest. Um, he's a left-handed hitter. He won eight batting titles in his career, which is tied for the most in NL history. Um, so, obviously, considered one of the best and the most consistent hitters of all time. He had a career 338 batting average. That's just unprecedented in today's game. I feel like every time I look at, you see someone's batting average, it's like below three hundred. It's like even the good, even the good yeah. players around like high two eight, high two hundreds. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's a fifteen time All Star, and he also had seven Silver Sluggers and five Gold Gloves. So he did get it done defensively as well, um, and. Uh, in 2007, he was an inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Also right, in 2007, they created a sculpture right outside San Diego's park. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, I think Mr. when you, when you I mean, he's Mr. Pa- when you think of the Padres, you think of Tony Gwynn for sure. Um, let me jump into a couple of his a couple other stats here. Um, hits. He broke the 3,000 hit barrier, so 3,141 hits, uh, 135 home runs. So not the best power hitter in the world, but so more of a singles, I guess, doubles type guy, but um, still incredible. And runs bad in, 1,138 runs. And um, he's in the Padres Hall of, uh, Hall of Fame as well. He's a first bout Hall of Famer. And um, I, I mean... You really just can't say enough about this guy, about how good of a hitter he was. And uh, um, I think that's, I honestly think that's pretty much it for him. I don't think he ever, unfortunately, uh, won a World Series. I guess that's one of the things that's kind of off of his, um, you know, accolade list there, unfortunately. But 15 time All Star um, is pretty incredible. Um, that is. But yeah, no World Series. It just sucks. You hate to see these really good players never, you know what I mean? Never get the. Separates the good from the great. But that's the thing, though. Like Mike Trout, I mean, great, (laughs) great, right? But has he? He hasn't come close to a World Series, and I don't know if he ever will. Never. I mean, he's he's. I think he's staying as long as LA is paying him. I mean. So it sucks to see these really, really, really talented guys never really get. I mean, he played in two, so that's good to good to see, but. Uh, yeah, couldn't get it done. Tony Gwynn. Um, before we move on into the next baseball player, I'll let's move to the ice. Steve Yeserman. Uh, Who, this yeah. guy legit. All twenty-two seasons in Detroit. You you seem like you got a lot of knowledge on the guy. I don't really have the knowledge. I just know he was really good, and he's really freaking good. And he's in contention for he's, this number. He honestly. should be. He should very much be in contention. Hall of Famer, three-time Cup winner. He was on those really solid Detroit teams. One-time All-Star, Pearson Award winner in the '88-'89 season. The Smith Award, Smythe in '97-'98. 
Oh, gotta make sure the computer's working. Um, the Masterson to 2000-2003, and then the Selkie in 1999-2000. I mean, we just talked about how Willis's, Willis Reed's career was, was cut short because of injury. This guy had a long career, 22 seasons. Um, and he finished off with 692 goals, just short of 700, 1,063 assists. So seventeen hundred fifty-five points. Wow, that's that's up there for the, <laughs> this close to almost all time, right? Right. I'd um, say. Let's yeah. Let, let's see uh, most points all time. Most points. Number seven all time. So he's up there. He's up there. That gives us a little bit more context as far as when it comes to picking the guy. It's a deep number, though. Deep number. Deep number. <laughs> We're just getting going. I got <laughs> 10 facts here about Steve Yezerman. Okay. And this might help us a little bit more. Steve, it might be some re- repeats, by the way. The Yezerman played his entire NHL career with the Detroit Red Wings. We know this. Member of the Hall of Fame. Prior to the 86-87 season at age 21, he was named the captain of the Red Wings and continuously served for the next two decades, uh, retiring as the longest-serving captain of any North American Major League sports history. That's pretty wild. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, like, is there someone that has served more as captain? I mean, first one that comes to my mind because I'm a Yankees fan is Jeter, but he only played 20 seasons. Captain for their team, you're yeah, saying? So, I mean, I, mean, I don't think sense. so. I think that's probably the most, if I had to guess. Once voted to be the most popular athlete in Detroit sports history, locally locals in Detroit simply referred to him as the captain. Yezerman <laughs> um, led the Wings to first to the to five first place regular season finishes and three championships. We know this. He won numerous awards during his career. We we went through the awards. We went through his All Star appearances. He officially retired in July of '06. Officially ranked, career ranked as the sixth all-time leading scorer. Now he's the seventh. Um, in 08, he was inducted to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. He is originally from Canada, um, and he's also being honored in the Hall of Fame, the regular, the United States Hockey Hall of Fame. He represented uh, Team Canada in several international tournaments, um, and then he won Olympic gold. He won an Olympic gold medal in 02. Quite the resume. For, for Mr. Steve. We love it. We love to see that out of Steve. Um, how many cups did he have? Three. Three? We'll see how that holds up. Yeah, pretty good. So, I mean, sometimes you see these guys with a lot more. I think one of the dudes we did last time has like a seven. Yeah, they've done wild. seven cups or ten maybe. One I guy. feel like dynasties are, are very frequent in hockey. Maybe I'm wrong there. I don't watch it. I don't watch the sport as much. I think the Red Wings dynasty yeah, was wow. was insane, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think no, I think you're onto something there. I don't know. I just I think of Red Wings. I think damn, they were they're good. good. They were good. <laughs> they were good, good for anymore. so long. It's like definitely not good anymore. But anywho, um, let me pass it back to you, and you can take it over for the next two players. Uh, you want to talk they, baseball? Finish yeah, off baseball uh, before we go to football. Yeah, I'll finish baseball here. Uh, Paul Molitor. And actually, so he wore um, 19 for only like three seasons. Other seasons he actually wore number four. Mm. But uh, still was a really, really good player. Um, Nicknamed Molly and the Igniter. Molly. Um, Papa Molly, I'm sweating. (laughs) Uh, He played for the... He played for the Brewers, the Blue Jays, and the Minnesota Twins in his career, and he was known for his exceptional hitting and speed. And when he said, they say exceptional hitting, and when I say it, it's damn truth right there. Because this dude was pretty similar to Tony Gwynn and how good of a hitter he was. But uh, he made seven all-star game appearances and was the World Series MVP in 93. So he did get a World Series championship there. Um uh, stats. So batting average three oh six. So above three hundred for his career. That's uh, that that's Hall of Fame numbers right there. Um, but actually, what, was he in the? Is he in the Hall of Fame? One second. Uh, 
Um, yes. Anyway, Hall of Famer. Uh, 3,319 hits. It's probably up there close for the most of all time. 234 home runs, 1307 runs bad in, and 504 stolen bases. Um, so really, obviously really fast and a great hitter. Um, four-time silver slugger. And then after his career was over, he actually um, was a manager for some time and uh, was decently successful. He's a, a .471 um, winning percentage. So a little bit under 500, but not bad. Um, and, uh, yeah, honestly, that's pretty much it on him. He just, like I said, great hitter. Um and a little bit more about, I guess, defensive side. He's a designated hitter, third baseman, and second baseman. So he kind of jumped around the infield there. Um, and uh, yeah, bat, bat. He was he batted from the right side, threw from the right side, and uh, yeah, just got it done at the plate. Um, so that's it on Paul Molitor. I don't know if he's really up there for the best number nineteen of all time, but he is pretty damn good pretty damn good um, um i'm picking gwen over him yes me too uh yes <laughs> you're correct um, you're correct now now one of the guys that's coming in as like the pre-pick number one that you're about to talk yes, about johnny is johnny boy unitas talk about it. let me let me hear more about so onto the gridiron um if you don't know who Johnny Unitas is, I are you mean, even a football fan? or do you know football? I feel like you just say Johnny Unitas and you're like, oh, that we know him. We know he played football. We know he was a quarterback and he was really good. Really good. Um, he played uh, obviously in the NFL for 18 seasons, primarily for the Baltimore Colts, actually. Not the Indianapolis Colts, right. but the Baltimore and, and Colts. Let me talk so, story real quick. He yeah. was on that original, that Baltimore Colts team that left Baltimore in the middle of the night. When the franchise is just like, you know what? We don't want to be in Baltimore anymore. Let's head to Indy. <laughs> that place is calling our name. Get us to goddamn Indy. And the rest was history. But yeah, uh, I always thought that to be a wild story. Like, what is that conversation like with your players? Like, all right, boys, we're packing up. We're leaving. Middle of the night. Where are we going, sir? Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Why did they do that? They just wanted to get out of Baltimore? I'll let you go through the stats. Yeah, but I'll look it up. I'll look it up while you do it. For sure. Um, Stanley, he's six foot, one hundred ninety six pounds. Um, he's picked one hundred two in round nine of the NFL draft, so a little different back then. But um, or pick one hundred two overall, probably a lot less teams. Um, but he played from fifty six to seventy three, and as I said, he's regarded as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's a three time NFL champion. Um, 58, 59, and 68. Three-time NFL Most Valuable Player. Uh, he's NFL Man of the Year in 1970. He was a five first, five-time first-team All-Pro player. And honestly, when you think of uh, like the best players of your era, I think one of the best things you can go to is how many first-team All-Pros does the dude have? Yep. Because I mean that shows. I mean exactly. Like, exactly how good you were in your own, how you stacked up against your comp- own competition. That's right. So five team first team five excuse me, five time first team all pro is elite. Uh and three times second team all pro um on top of that. So the, the, the he was one or two pretty much for most of his career. Ten time Pro Bowler, four time passing yards leader, and four time NFL passing touchdowns leader. So Statistics just, um, for back of a turn, out the ass here. He just got it done. Yeah. <laughs> he just got it done. Um, and we'll move on to more statistics here. But uh, he TD interception ratio 290 to 253. So almost even there. Decent. 54.6 completion percentage. Passing yards 40,239. Which is uh, pretty good, I guess, and for that time period, I guess, when probably throwing the ball, definitely throwing the ball a lot less. I mean, you see guys now, I think uh, Joe Flacco just passed, a couple of days ago, just passed Joe Montana 
for them from passing yards all time. Yeah. Joe Montana. But Joe Flacco's elite. Who? But Joe Flacco is elite. But Joe Montana, Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Montana. I think won 16. our number, our sixteen. So yeah. uh, there's that. Pass rating seventy eight point two all time. Um, and a little, I guess, fun fact here is he he had the most consecutive games with a touchdown pass at forty seven, and he held that for fifty two years until it was broken by who? Do you know who it was broken by? Peyton Manning. Nope. Tom Brady. Closer, kind of. I mean, both were close, but still uh, playing, still doing well. Not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'll take one. Old timer. He's good. He's really good. He's his stats are crawling out. <laughs> Who the hell is it? Hold on. I'm you gotta know me. this one, man. Russell Wilson. Nope. I'll nope. tell you. Drew Brees. I'm an idiot. No, you're good, you're good. No, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but so we held that and that was until two thousand twelve, so um Obviously, he uh, he held that record for a while. Nicknamed, so, yeah, nicknamed Johnny U in the Golden Arm. So, I mean, that's about it for Johnny. He was elite, and he's up there. He might be my pick. I'm not. He might be it, along with the other guys. He might be my pick. Um, before we jump on to the soccer guys that we got here, I do want to finish out this story about the Colts leaving yeah. Baltimore. So, I'm looking at a 30 year anniversary written by USA Today on the, on the whole issue. So the Colts left Baltimore because they supposedly had a terrible stadium, one. They weren't drawing crowds. No one was going to the games. And most importantly, the city of Baltimore, the, the charm city that Carl likes to call it and how all the locals call it, and Maryland legislator actually sought to take the Colts away from Bob Ursay um, by using eminent domain. So I believe it was Eminent a, domain, that's like the 17th Amendment. Yeah. Right? I think so. That sounds about right. Or maybe 19th. I did a uh, project on that, believe it or not. And uh, we ought to pick an amendment. I think there's like 26 of them. Am I, ta- am I See, saying this that? This is why we go to school. 26, and I was assigned eminent domain. So, yeah, you essentially it's like you can take over a property if you're going to use it for – it has to be within it – has, it has to be like, you know, used for like some, like some sort of public use. So, essentially, you could like take over – it has to be, I mean, obviously, that's not that simple, but in like a uh, very simplistic form, you could pr- pretty much take over like someone's yard if it was going to be like used for like maybe a public park or like a more public space that everyone could use. Hmm. It has to be within certain, I think the people have to be, you know, compensated in a certain way as well. So, right. But that, that that's the gist of it. Obviously, I forget everything I read um, for the project, <laughs> but. Interesting. So yeah, that's yeah. why that's why they left in the middle of the night. I'm I'm sure that if it's that if that's the main reason, uh, it's probably with a Bob move. Bob was kind of like, "Yo, I mean, if that makes sense, then they need the state's trying to get me out. They of need here. to leave. Yeah, then, let's, yeah, let's 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 bounce. So that's that. We don't have the producer here to talk soccer, it's football. This is bad. This is not. This, good. Is, t- this, is, gonna, this might go south. This might go south. <laughs> so the first guy we got on here, Mario Gozzi. This is a, this is a re, this is a this guy just won right the from World Germany. Cup. Didn't he hit that big goal in the World Cup to win it? See, we're already to going win south. It? I'm pretty sure. I know. I know. I'm right. Did Germany win the World Cup? Yeah, they won it in uh, 2016. 2018. I don't know. Hold on. Max I remember. Is, I remember. Mario is definitely cracking up right now. 2018. No, no. Hold up. France won 2014. 2014. Okay, so he didn't. Maybe win. I'm not. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah, I think you're losing it. Anyways, <laughs> so Maragotzi is. I'm not. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right, <laughs> but he's from Germany. He he's he played for Dortmund, and uh, he's from Memming Memmingen, Germany. Joined Dortmund's youth academy. Just eight years old one of the many young stars to get their start with the black and yellow as a youth footballer he had to earn his starting role um while the world was is all too familiar with Gozi's remarkable skill on the pitch many forget that he had to fight for his earning role and earlier on in his career 
His first appearance came at the 88th minute substitute in a scoreless draw with Mainz. Uh, and I believe this is Bundesliga, uh, mm-hmm. where he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his regular regular football. Uh, that was in 2009. And during the season's winter break, Jurgen Klopp promoted Goetze <laughs> from substitute to first team following consistent success training. I saw you had a Naha moment. Did, were you correct? I was correct. He two year, he scored the winning goal in the 2014 FIFA World wow. Cup final. You know soccer. Right? I know soccer. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, he's forever in the record book. So while playing for Dortmund uh, under under Klopp, Goetze was part of the Dortmund's record-setting title-winning squads from 10, 2010, 2011, and 11-12. Uh, he was one of the many young stars who shined in Dortmund's 2010-2011 championship season, helping the club set the record for the youngest squad ever to win the Bundesliga. Following season, he was part of another record-setting squad. Dortmund finished... Uh, their successful title defense with then record 81 points. He embodies German luxury. So while recognizing Goethe's heartbreaking transfer to Bayern, Bayern Munich, I believe that's the team, right? Uh, stirs up a plethora of emotions among Dortmund supporters. The transfer itself set another record at the time. Uh Goetze was the most expensive German player ever. He's a, he's a big family. He's very he values family a lot. Love the family, man. Um, I mean, it's a big thing. I guess and I guess his family was very affected by the move to Bayern just because of his longtime play for Dortmund. Um, so what else can we say about Mario? Oh, Mario. number eight. He scored a deciding goal in World Cup. <laughs> there it is. Um, He, unfortunately, I mean, this is kind of taking a sad route, but he was diagnosed with a metabolic disorder, prompting media speculation about whether he would be able to, be able to play. Oh, wow. Um, okay. But he persevered, focused on rehab, um, not only continued playing football, but he also remained one of Germany's most exciting players to watch. Um, he got married. So that, that kind of, those are very high-level facts about Goatsy. Uh, I mean, obviously, we don't have Max here to kind of get into the nitty gritty of his soccer play. Yeah. But um, the basics that I get here is like, I feel like a lot of the soccer players that we pick, besides Messi and uh, Ronaldo and Cristiano Ronaldo, they're very much decided on moments. Definitely. Like moments define like are very career defining. Yeah. For some of these soccer players, besides like the absolute greats, <laughs> and yeah. this. And, and this is probably one of the reasons why he's known as the great. I don't have his stats up here, and it's bad on my part. But scoring the deciding goal in the World Cup is such a big deal for your country. Uh, and one of the world's yeah, like greatest never sporting forgotten. events. Yeah, you're, you're, you are the hero. You are. The, for the country. And, it's, you know, obviously it's every four years. It's on every year event. Um, wild. So that, I mean, it makes sense why he's known for being a great number 19. The other soccer player I got on here on the list, and, and you know, Max didn't really give any comments in the group chat either about this, so we're really going off, the, just flying off the rails here, but Dwight York. Uh, he's from Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, played for the Trinidad and Tobago team, national team. He also played in the English Premier League for majority of his career uh, before going to Australia to finish off his, his professional professional career actually i'm sorry went to australia for two years came back to the english premier league um got his stats up here total goals 148 and that is um for his entire like that's that's everything uh let's look at assists 52 assists let's take a look at his international i don't really have oh national team here we go so he had nine goals for his international team. He played in uh, 35 games. So nine goals in those 35 games. Okay. Dece. I don't know how far Trinidad and Tobago goes in the World Cup usually, but... Oh, looks like, I mean, well, I'm reading it right here. There was one year where they made it to the World Cup, but in majority of the time, it, he just got to the qualifying event. Or was gotcha. playing the qualifying event. 
Um, so I wish we had some more context to compare those two to some of the other players we talked about in other sports, but um, now is the time that the fans patiently await for. Wait, wait, one more guy, one more guy. There is one more guy? I mean, back to football, just like a little more low-key guy. Oh, okay, yeah. Current guy real quick, Adam Thielen. I got a feeling. Uh, <laughs> I got a feeling. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing with Adam Thielen is he's a current guy, with, and he's uh, if you play fantasy football, he's um, he's coveted asset, yeah. I'd say. Injury much. prone. Injury prone, but prone. But when he plays, he kind of tears it up. Um, yep. And he holds. What's cool about him is he holds. What's well, one thing is that he was an undrafted free agent Where in twenty two. So he actually went to school at Minnesota State. So. Not More low-key there. And he was an undrafted free agent, so it wasn't like he was, you know, some big shot coming out of college, but then he... Why do I feel like that's typically the route for these, like, really great receivers? Like, they just figure it I out. I don't know. I, that's what I don't get. And it's like, how can you be that under-recruited, especially coming out of college? Slade Bloomer, I guess. I guess so, but it's like, you know, props to him, never give up. If people don't recognize you, keep grinding. That's what it's like. So crazy to me. Like, so I followed, um, I followed uh, college basketball recruiting pretty heavily growing up. I was yeah. very interested in it. Never really got into college football recruiting just because there's so many players. So many. Like, I don't guys, understand. Dude. I we're gonna go off a tangent here. And I don't really care. I don't really give a fuck because I just don't understand. It's just like baseball scouts too. Like I don't understand how these scouts. For colleges like that are, are taking are that are the leads on their recruiting teams, like pick where they go to look at players. Are they just going off on what like journalists are saying or what boards are up there? Because if that's the case, you are gonna miss out on the feeling on the Adam Thielens of the world. You are gonna miss out on yeah, um, you know all those Patriots receivers. Uh, you're gonna miss out on all these guys, and um. It just boggles my mind, and and it also makes me think like, oh well, if they knew about Adam Thielen and say he did get recruited to an SEC school or a Big Ten school, and he played big time college football, would he be where he is today? Like some of these guys just need that extra motivation, like yo, you're not good, you aren't going to recruit you, and then they kind of grind, and I don't know. It's I think that all goes back to the variable of like grit, the grit factor. Uh, I'm reading a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth that my brother put me on, and uh, it's all about like just people like just honing in on their craft and like just the the willpower to like achieve your goals. Yeah. And guys like Adam Thielen that kind of like go through this obstacle of playing small college football, going undrafted, um, free undrafted free agent. Uh, the fact that he was able to go through that and say. All right, I'm not a top. I'm not even a draft pick, but I'm gonna grind my ass off and see where this thing takes me. Because I know I want to play football in the NFL. I know I'm good enough, and just that confidence factor and everything. So it's wild to me. I don't know. That's just the psychology behind that. The psychology is interesting to me. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, shout. I mean, just shout out to him for uh, for just getting there. See, so yeah, getting there and establishing. Mean, he has and established keep, himself. And he's getting better. He's better and better, I mean, and amongst the best in the league. I mean, I still think he's, like, probably a – I don't know where I'd rank him, but he's – for a couple of seasons there, he's probably, like, top 10 at least, yeah. right, receiver in the league, maybe one of the better ones. Um, but anyways, a couple NFL records are kind of cool. He has eight straight games over 100 yards receiving, which is an NFL record. And he has 74 – and another NFL record is 74 receptions in the first half – of a season. So I guess in his first eight games, he had 74 receptions. Wow. Um, which is crazy because I know, I mean, I'm a Steelers fan, so I watch Antonio Brown and that dude racks up receptions like it's nothing. So right. for Adam Thielen to have that record is saying, I mean, that's an insane wow. record. He's a record two time Pro Bowler and second team All Pro one time. So keep grinding, Adam. That's all I got to say. Keep grinding. Stay stay healthy as well. Injuries suck. <laughs> Great set of players. Now is the time where we pick who's the best. Let's first go through, just like we did for the Masters, what Gats and, uh, and the producer picked. So 
Gats went with your guy, Tony Gwynn. Not surprising. Carl is a is a baseball mind. Big guy. baseball guy. I I didn't go through. You know what I didn't do is the um, the patented uh, prime of Tony Gwynn's career. You know, oh. where he picked the prime years. Carl does that. It's great. That. But you know what? He batted three thirty eight for his whole career. So you know what? Every every prime. year is his prime. That's all I gotta say. That is crazy. Or three thirty nine, maybe. And then Max picked Johnny Unitas, uh, and he said that it's mainly because he got a ring. Hashtag bling factor. Um, <laughs> that's the producer. No, he's typing up a storm. Shout out. In upstate New York. Um, I'm going with the producer here. I'm going with Unitas. I think, like, not only the, the rings and the success uh, with the team, I think that um, you brought up a great point as far as just, like, name recognition. Uh, you know, people hear Johnny Unitas, they know who he is. It's like, I think, yeah. like, if I Tony Gwynn's almost there, I feel like that there's still like a sports, there's like, there's like a very, there's a sports fan out there that pays attention to sports that still may not know who Tony Gwynn is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I agree with you because, uh, so this is tough. I mean, but the funny thing is that we're talking about these two players, Tony Gwynn and Johnny Unitas. The other guys, the Yezerman, Yezerman and Willis Reed. I, well, I guess Willis Reed kind of cut off. We made, a good, yeah. we made a good point while Willis Reed get cut off. But Yezerman makes a great case to be above either of these two. So this is really hard for me. I mean... You could really put... Uh, you could put a nail in the coffin with Unitas. You can tie it up with Quinn. Or you could just shake the bag up. Unitas would still win, but... You think so? Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> you do the math. It'd be two one and one if you pick some. If you pick Yazerman. Oh, oh, another one. No, yeah, no. Sorry, I thought you meant if I picked Tony Wynn. Anyway, I just want to break this down a little bit. Both were excellent in their eras because we kind of touched on, uh, like how many All Pro, how many times, like Johnny United led the league, you know, passing, you know, touchdowns, whatever, like four times. But the thing is, Tony Gwynn was an eight-time batting champion. So they both dominated their eras in their respect. So this is really hard. And uh, honestly, initially, I was going to go with Johnny Unitas. But I looked into Tony Gwynn a little what? bit. And you know what I think I'm going to do just to make it a little... Uh, what? A little spicy. What? Is, uh, Don't do it. I think I'm going to do it, actually. I think I'm going to go with... Uh... <sighs> Hold up one second. I'm getting our... If you do do this... Who's the tiebreaker? We got the tiebreaker? I have the tiebreaker ready. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. All right. Then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to go with Tony Gwynn to Tony tie it up. Gwynn. Okay. So we got two and two. But for granted, I mean, these guys were both, both great. I, I, I kind of want to... Yeah. Also, the era thing is big for me. Johnny Unitas played, you know, way back when. So he's dominant in his era. I guess you have to look at era by era. So uh, let's just see what this guy has to say. We got him on the uh, line, folks. Yeah, so I, got, I love I got, making uh, this. I got my brother Sam on the line. Let's go, Simi. He said, <laughs> I said, you need to decide who the best number 19 is. He goes Bubba Crosby. Obviously, backup Yankee player. Oh, but, my God. Um, let's see here. Tony Gwynn, Johnny Unitas. I said he has to pick between the two. Dun, dun, and if you don't dun, if you don't know who dun. Sam is, dude's very knowledgeable on every single sport. Just knows Every everything. single athlete, so. Oh, it's in. Pick is in. Pick is in. Sam has decided. <laughs> Who has decided? Tell me. Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas. I love it. I love it. Wins. You know, I'm not surprised. Uh, Johnny Unitas is probably. I mean, basically, I mean, more recognition there. You know, he just has it. He just has the it factor, the known name. And people know who he is. So that's right. Love it. So let's Love wrap it. this podcast up. I know we're going a little long here. Yeah. We got 
to do our NFL picks for the week. The game tomorrow is Colts at Titans. Max picked Titans over the Colts 27-24. Carl also has a close one. Titans over Colts 21-17. We will have to, we will have to text Carl. These are our, our picks because he keeps that, that long note. I got the boy Treggy. What is he? What did he pick? Titans thirty-one twenty-one. What in um, God's name is Treggy thinking? Okay, this is a tight one. You want to go? You want to take I wanna it? Go. I want to go. All right, I, I, really I like the number twenty-four here. I'm gonna go Titans twenty-four. Speaking of twenty-four, shout out to Sam who just gave the pick. It is his birthday. Shout out Sam. Birth. Happy birthday, years Sam. Old. Happy birthday, Sam. If you're listening this long, Sam, God bless you. Happy birthday. Sam, I'm going to destroy you on this diss track. That's all I know. Oh, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. Got to bring um, it up. You have to. Um, so I like the number 24. I think the Titans are going to score 24, though. So Titans 24, Colts 14. Low scoring. Very low scoring. I mean, that's – what is that? 35 points, so um, the over-under for this game is 48.5, by the way, I believe. So I'm going to go – I mean, you got everyone th- everyone's taking the Titans. I think the Colts could pull this one out. It's, it's close. But I, I mean, I think it's like a point. I think I'm going to go – honestly, I think I'm going to go with the Titans as well. I'm going to go 27 to – Twenty-seven to twenty-one. So I'm gonna go twenty-seven, twenty-one. Lock it in. Twenty-seven, twenty-one. I'll text it. You said Colts. No Titans. Titans. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, any last remarks before we sign off here? No, that's it, man. Season Just, two's in the books. Season two's in the books. Another great season. Uh, sucks didn't have the producer and Gats here, um, but... Uh, but we wouldn't have it any other way. No. Finishing we, we, it out. Still two, killed it. Two, with the two boys. Killed it. Mic and, drop uh, moments. Um, but, we, but, yes, we can't wait to have them back um, for episode number 20. Which, who knows, because Max is gone for a while, so... Will we ever see Max again? <laughs> I don't think so. Now we'll see him. He'll be back. I hope. And better than ever. I'm better than ever. Okay. Well, thank you for Peace. listening this long. Um, we'll, we'll see you next week on the Zero to 100 podcast. Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. TheMorningRead.com. Check it out. Take it away. Crazy.